What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We had on the program the wild card, the deadlift orangutan, Blake LeHue, and he gives us a terrific interview. He is coming off of a huge, huge meet at Highbridge Showdown 4 where he was our Two White Lights highlight of the meet. His performance where he was able to break the all-time world record total in the 82.5 kilo weight class was a huge standout for us, and it was fantastic talking to him about that. He took that record away from John Hack. Whenever you could take John Hack's record away from him, it's uh, it's something special because uh, we all know how great John Hack is, and Blake LeHue is right up there as far as top contenders go in the untested side of powerlifting, and it was great interviewing him. Of course, we talked about Hybrid Showdown 4 and where that ranks in his laundry list of accomplishments in powerlifting. He is a, US, a former USAPL IPF lifter. He made a change, went to the untested side, has been there and done it all in powerlifting, and his answer is greatest accomplishment. Didn't surprise me, but it may surprise a lot of our listeners, so be on the lookout for that. We also just discussed what has worked for him um, in this prep going out to a hybrid showdown for what he's done differently. Uh, he had some issues of uh, not hitting attempts and struggling to go eight for eight or eight for nine, nine for nine, and he was able to put it all together. This meet kind of shed some light on that. We also discussed why he decided to go from the USAPL and IPF over to the untested side of powerlifting. A really interesting conversation there. And we get his opinion on a hot take we had uh, dealing with the untested side of what happens if lifters miss weight. Should they be punished for it at these big-time money meets? He gives his opinion on that. He gives his opinion on where the pro circuit is going in the WRPF and USPA, what direction he'd like it to go in, and what his opinions are and takes are on that. We also go into a lifter rating. He's opening a gym in San Antonio, Texas, very soon in March, and we discussed that. A lot going on with Blake. It was fantastic talking to him. He's a really fun guy to talk to. Uh, immediately when I met him at Hybrid, I'm just like, I like this guy. I want to have him on Two White Lights, and it was a fantastic interview. And also, we end the show with a big Massonomics package reveal. So Massonomics sent us a package, Two White Lights a package, and you know what? I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous opening it. It could have been a message sent. It could have been a war declared by two of powerlifting's most prominent podcasts. So you're going to have to tune in and find out what exactly Massonomics sent us. And I can't really spoil it. You're just going to have to listen to it. And that's going to be at the end of the episode, right after Blake's um, interview is all for. Also, I, I think I was planning on putting it before Blake's interview, and I decided at the last second that I wasn't going to do that. So the audio might not make a whole lot of sense, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can't edit everything. I edited a lot of things, but you can't edit that out. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com and get yourself some Leflar Bros merch. They have the best powerlifting merchandise in the game right now, and I am not even joking with you. I had my girlfriend wear the new crew neck long sleeves shirts that they have, and she got compliments all over the bar. And she's not even a powerlifter. She loves powerlifting. She could be a powerlifter if she wanted to. But people were stopping her at the bar and asking her where she got the shirt. And I said, leftlawbros.com. Use promo code 2WL15. And also, they have so much merchandise that continuously gets better. I love being a part of them because they continuously come up with new designs that look fantastic, that are unique, that make you look good in the gym, on the platform, outside of the gym. You can wear their gear anywhere. 
My friend stole my dad hat from them, and he's been looking great. And I had to take it back from him because no one gets to look that great if they don't use that promo code 2W15. He stole it from me and got that free Valor. You can't do that. you got to buy it yourself in order to have that good look happening at all times. So go to leftflybros.com, use promo code 2W15, save yourself some money. Also, they have a collabs with 110% too. Uh, a brand that might be very close to Two White Lights very, very soon. So check out leftlarbros.com. Use promo code 2 w 15 and make sure you are visiting them on Instagram, following them, and check out the insane drops that they have. Also, make sure you're going on lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. I wear stoic gear in the gym and on the platform because it is the best. It is quality. The knee sleeves, the singlets, the wrist wraps. Use promo code ANGELO10. You will save yourself some money. You're not buying the label. You're buying quality. You're buying the product. So make sure you use that promo code ANGELO10. It's affordable. It looks great. And also it feels great. And again, I wouldn't wear it if it wasn't quality. So use that promo code ANGELO10. Go to lift.net. Also, make sure you're going on NotoriousLift.com, visiting on Instagram, sign up for the newsletter, and get yourself some no-slip drip Notorious Lift slippers. They are leading the way in deadlift slippers. The designs, the colorways, and you do not want to miss out on those drops. I'm telling you, you're going to find a color that matches your gym attire and your platform attire oh so perfectly, and you're just going to miss it by a minute. They sell out a minutes because people want to look good while they deadlift good. That is a fact. So sign up for the newsletter, get on the website, follow them on Instagram. No slip, drip, notorious lift slippers are the best. Also, go to Freshly.com and get yourself some food, some healthy food. Powerlifters, you got to start eating healthier. I've been eating Freshly food recently, and I'm telling you, it's the perfect thing to have before the gym and after the gym as well. Caloric dense meals, hit some solid macros. It's better than chomping on some Sour Patch Kids or gummy bears or gummy worms or whatever the hell powerlifters eat that they aren't supposed to before the gym. It will help you, and also you could afford it as well because you can use promo code ANGAFF to save yourself $45 at checkout. I'm telling you, it is a game changer to eat healthy in powerlifting. And sometimes meal prep is difficult, and you want those meals to be pre-made for you. Well, Freshly got you covered. Again, use that promo code ANGAFF to save yourself some money and make sure you're eating healthy to hit your goals as a powerlifter. Also... Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, and leave a review. Those are important for Two White Lights, and we thank you for everyone who has done it. Also, go to Spotify and subscribe on there as well. Follow us there. and Subscribe on twowhitelights.com. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. Ooh, baby, I like it, boy. So I can take her away Off on the natural charge Born for yards Yeah, from the home of the Dodger Brooklyn squad And as promised We got with us today The wild card The holder of the new 181 pound All-time world record total Along with a sexy deadlift to go along with it we got Blake LeHue. I'm excited to have you on, man. How you doing? 
I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. So first question, how dinged up or what was more taxing horse stall mats or the hybrid showdown? Um, honestly, the horse stall mats, I'm still feeling the repercussions of. <laughs> yeah, prior to the interview, you were talking about getting dinged up, and I was expecting, like, oh, because you uh, lift a lot of weights at all times. But, no, uh, moving some equipment right for the gym, which I'm actually, this is, I'm, I'm uh, not aware of this. Are you opening a gym? or? Yes, I am opening a gym here in San Antonio. Very nice. I've been to San Antonio a few times, so I'll definitely be uh, taking that gym a visit. Yeah, I would love to have you out, man. Yep, I'm excited for it. But um, we are excited to talk to you. And on the hybrid uh, live stream, we talked about just the amount you've done in powerlifting. You have done pretty much everything there is to do. IPF Worlds, Raw Nationals, big-time money meets on you know the USPA, WRPF. What has been your most proud accomplishment out of all of that? Oh, my most proud accomplishment, like, like me overall or like, what, what, like, what do you look at as your biggest achievement in the sport? Um, honestly, man, that 500 pound bench. (laughs) 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 Is that serious or is that just a really rub it deep into Angela? Like really, really make him hate it. No, that is in all in all seriousness. That is not a number like three or four years ago I thought I'd ever hit. I, I stalled it like right around 400 for a good three, four years and then just busted right past the plateau. Oh, God. And kept going. Is that, so you're saying there's is that kind of correlating when, with you went up from 165 to 181? Yeah, gaining 20 pounds or so really helps. <laughs> there you go, Angelo. You're going to 90. Yep, that's. I think I'm like I'm like. Wait, so you said you had a plateau and you broke it, and your plateau was four four hundred pounds, which I love for that to be my plateau. By the way, uh, four hundred <laughs> pounds and break it. Yeah, and that was legitimately your your deadlift at the hybrid showdown was amazing. We talked about it. If you guys want to talk, uh, if you guys want to hear about us talk about it, it's in our uh, uh, two previous episodes. But the deadlift was amazing. But that bench was something incredible, and. Uh, how 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 are you able to do it? I know we talked about it a little bit the hybrid, but you have terrific leverages for really for you know deadlift and um you would look at your body proportions and not like you wouldn't assume that you have a five hundred pound bench, but you have one and it's incredible. Well, you know, um long time ago I had some shoulder problems and had some x rays done on my shoulders and the doctor was like looked at the x-rays and was like, you bench a lot, don't you? And I just kind of looked at him and I was like, yeah, how'd you know that? And he said, essentially, because of where my humerus and clavicle like meet, it has a really low insertion point. Mm-hmm. And so it actually allows me to retract and depress more than most people. Okay. So I can mitigate the difference of like my long ass arms. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, like when we were watching the bench press, we were just it kind of in awe that you know someone who is you know with the the massive deadlift that you have is able to kind of get that that the lift that a lot of people who are really good at deadlift struggle with, and that's a bench press. And <laughs> I mean, 
That to me was a highlight of your meet. I, I mean, uh, I my reaction of your eight forty one deadlift was probably it would seem that that was my highlight because I lost my shit about three times because we we didn't know when exactly you were locking out. We were like, "Is that a lockout? Is is that a lock?" I think he's got it. I think he's got it. He's got the lockout, and then we kind of you know, and then after we saw those white lights, we uh, kind of lost it. Well, you know, it's funny on that deadlift, I couldn't hear or see anything. And I didn't realize that the head judge had given me a down command like two seconds before I put the bar down. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently he gave me the down command while I was still trying to lock it out. I didn't feel like I was locked out. So I was just going to pull until I was ready to put it down. Yep. Well, that's probably a good thing you did because then you would have had the Instagram critics saying that you you don't have the true world record because you didn't lock it out. So it's good sure. by it's good by you to have that standard. Here's a I have this is something I'm very interested in. Obviously, a big issue that's always been a Blake LeHue question mark is mm-hmm. locking out your deadlifts and where you're able to keep balance because it was it was never an issue of are you strong? It's can you actually display that on the platform? What changed? So for me, honestly, it was more of a like grip and skin. Mm-hmm. So um, I recently changed up my diet to a more animal-based diet. I still eat lots of carbs, just lots of fruit and honey. Mm-hmm. Um, but like eliminating all the processed crap from my diet actually made my fingers get smaller. I've had like fat fingers my whole life. And so I lost a lot of this like inflammatory weight and my ability to hold on to the bar just like drastically went up. I did not drop a bar this entire prep leading up to the hybrid for any reason. Wow. That was not the answer I was expecting. I'm not going to lie. I, I also, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, I, I also yeah. looked at my fingers as soon as you said that. Like, okay, <laughs> I, I'm like, do I have, like, I was about to say Jamal Browner might want to take a look at that too if he wants to to kind of solve that problem that's that's an interesting one and i mean throughout your deadlifts you're you're saying it's uh, on lockout but it's just uh or your your grip which would make sense because your deadlift is so technically proficient but it relies so much on you you know kind of nailing everything uh for you to keep that balance um well and if i lose my grip even the slide is like mm -hmm. even if i feel it i'm not going to be able to get my hips through as soon as i feel any bit of my grip slip like i have to put it down i can't lock the lift out yeah well i always say your range your like your range is probably the most ridiculous for any power lifter because i think with it, like if some if i wasn't watching the hybrid and someone was recapping the meet to me and they would have said yeah blake deadlifted 841 i'll be like okay i thought that was his top end i would honestly believe like you have 841 in you but then I'm like he deadlifted 750 i'll be like okay yeah, like it's it's in a range of seven fifty to eight forty one, and it's the most incredible range I've ever seen. That's why I love watching you lift, is because you never know exactly what's going to get what are you going to get out of it, especially when it comes to deadlift, because it does look like you're capable of deadlifting any any weight that you put on the bar, you can do it. It's just if you can hold on to it, and it's not the easy. Like, and that's another thing. Everyone's like, man, why? How can he not hold on to the de- his deadlifts? I'm like, do you see how he deadlifts? It's not the easiest thing in the world. And he's also fighting with 800 plus pounds consistently. Well, yeah, that and on the deadlift bar, something that took me a very long time to learn was like the timing of it all and different weights have different timings. Like the bar whips, like everything happens differently with different weights. Like 
And I actually was able to have a conversation with Jamal about this, about how it's, it's not strength. And most of the time it's not grip anymore. It's just straight timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would make so sense. the sumo deadlift is more of a skill. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with you on that one. I think, um, I think when you start getting into those freakish amount of weights, like that's kind of what you have to keep in mind is that you have to start timing things. You have to start thinking about aspects of the lift that normal people don't think about. Like it's, and especially with the equipment too. Yeah. And that's definitely something that's like really hard to get through to like the average person. Like, Oh, well you just can't pull it. I'm like, no, I mean to put straps on and I pull a hundred pounds more. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So, so and is that, would you, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people, when they see straps, they're thinking, Oh, it's giving them leverage and grit. Are you saying that that's more helping with your timing to where you don't have to worry about timing when you throw straps on? Yeah. Because if the bar whips downwards, it's not going to screw with my grip. Like there might be some downward motion to the bar, but with straps, like I can fight through it. Mm-hmm. If the bar that's- whips too hard and I'm too aggressive and I'm and gripping it with my hands, like my thumbs can't handle an 850 or 900 pound whip. So if I don't pull the slack out of the bar absolutely perfectly, then it's going to whip on me and there's nothing I can do about it. And we, I remember we can kind of see that between your first and your second attempt. Your second attempt was much better in your slack pull staying over your center of gravity. I don't know if you rewatched the live stream, but I think we talked about that where we could see on your first attempt, I don't feel like you had the, the right setup for what you were looking for. Well, I, I started with my hips a little higher which gave me slightly less leverage, which forced me to slow down. Mm-hmm. So like that was ultimately the thing, like 760 is a weight that I could pull for a set of five or six if I really wanted to. Um, so yeah. So like if I pull just a little too hard, I've got too much whip and I'll lose my balance because on the upswing and if I'm leaning back too hard, I'm just going to go backwards. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, yeah, that's what we noticed on your deadlifts. And actually, I mean, take us through the meet itself because we had our, you know, uh, post-meet interview, the really quick one. But going into the meet, were you, did you have a number in mind that you had to total or did that change as the meet went on when, you know, Heck and Browner were competing and you were fighting with placing for them? Did you start to um, rethink your attempts or did you start playing a numbers game or were those numbers you were planning on hitting anyways? Um, I mean, coming in, the goal was always to, to total 2006, if possible. Um, but given how the prep went, like my knee hasn't exactly been healthy and bench was like seven out of 10 in training, you know, not bad, but not as good as it could have been. So I, um, just kind of took the day lit one lift at a time. And, you know, after I went on six for six and I hit that 500 pound bench, I was like, okay, well now it's time to start looking at the scoreboard mm-hmm. and seeing what Jamal's doing and hat. How well are they doing now? Cause I haven't been paying attention to them. I'm just doing me. So yeah, going into deadlifts, I realized that Jamal with his opener and my opener, I would have been five points ahead of him. So Jamal has to make a second to get second place over me. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, I missed my opener. He gets his opener. <laughs> but when he misses his second, you know, I'm like, ooh, the door might have just opened up a little bit for me to do something fun. 
Because I, I believe, I think you put in maybe, was it 375? You put in something else and went and did an attempt change after he missed that. And that we very much figured that was the reason why you had it wrapped up. Go for it. Yeah, well, not only that, like, so that happened. Jamal missed it. And then um, my wife and I, Shelby, we were, we were deliberating back and forth on whether to leave it at 826 or, you know, bump up or down. And then, like, as we were deliberating, Garrett Fear walks up and is like, hey, Blake, you know, you're only five kilos away from Hack's record with, with that deadlift. And I was like, ah, okay, fine. <laughs> Just put it on the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife knows I don't like to chip things. I'm going to go the full two and a half. I'm not going to chip it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you had your experience in IPF Worlds. Did that, you know, kind of, and IPF and USAPL meets, that strategy kind of come into play when you were competing with uh, Hack and Browner? Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Like, I'm always prepared for that scenario, but you know, given my recent track history, I'm never really in a position or I haven't really been in a position to really play those kind of games. I have to just like save my own ass. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So, 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 uh, so then how would you compare the two? Would you compare, you know, IPF worlds and USAPL as be more, more difficult as far as a uh, Miko's or these big time money meets where you have guys like hack uh, Jamal Browner, occasionally Dan bell competing. Um, as far as playing for places and like playing the game, it's definitely harder in the USAPL IPF because like within the weight class, uh, it's quite often you've got three to five people that are within 10 kilos of each other. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know how to play the game to the T, like y- you could end up in first, you could end up in fifth, you know, but the better you know how to play the game, your, your odds of doing better go up. Here in the like at these kind of meets, I, I don't get to play the game very often. I mean, hacks 30, 40 points ahead of everybody. Mm-hmm. So really we're playing for a second. And yeah, it's just it it I feel like it's a little bit simpler here. Yeah. I've I've always wondered that myself, um, because I, I always wondered for people competing in the WRPF and USPA and um all the other feds. When going up against Hack, like the mindset of it has to be so much different because he's inc- it's like it's like us only competing with Taylor Atwood. <laughs> well, I mean, someone does have a little experience competing <laughs> with Taylor Atwood in this conversation, so he's kind of went against both. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm used to hail marrying a third attempt deadlift to try and get what i want (laughs) yeah that might be the biggest misfortune in powerlifting right like your main competition your entire like 74 kilo career was taylor atwood and then when you go into the other side of powerlifting your main competition for best overall lifter is john hack like you really can't draw it up any worse than that like every other weight class would be fine in usapl and ipf but not 74. You are competing against a guy who's like hasn't really been close to being defeated in a long, 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 long time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I'm, I'm a competitor, you know, I go where the competition is and I always strive to get first. And what's funny is a lot of times I'll choose the meets that I do based off whether hack is going or not. And not to run away. If hack's going, I'm like, I want to beat it. Because that one meet that he does go three for nine or four for nine, and I'm on it, 
you know, <laughs> how good's it going to look if I can actually do it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and you weren't far off at this meet. You were, you were, I mean, there was a couple things that could have gone your way of that. His second squat was a little shaky. I mean, if they called soft knees, I wouldn't think I would have argued. Um, obviously deadlift was a little shaky. You, I mean, it, this could have been the meet. It was really close to possibly happening. Well, and I left realistically, I think I left 20 kilos on my squat. And I think in the next six months to a year, I can put another 10 on my bench. Mm-hmm. And then I still think I got about 20 to 25 kilos worth of room on my deadlift. What are you walking around at? Uh, 190. Okay. So are, do you feel like this is, you can stay in this class for a while then before kind of growing out of it? Oh yeah. Like I, I have to eat like an asshole to really get past 193. Uh, it's, it's actually really hard. My, I've re- reached that set point and my body is just really comfortable here. Mm-hmm. So I think I can be here for another two, three, maybe four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Whereas uh, I don't know how much longer hack has at 198. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, his last competition wasn't really 198 either. So I think that, I mean, I, I think the day is coming. I know he wants to continue to compete at 198, but I know me, Steve and I are hoping he just doesn't like just, <laughs> just doesn't yeah. do it because like, I, it's, it's better for us watching as like spectators and fans. If he doesn't cut that much weight. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we all want to see what he's capable of, mm-hmm. you know, like if he's training at 215 to 220 and cuts to 198, what happens if he's training at, you know, 230, 240 and cuts to 220? Like what, what can he do? Mm-hmm. So it's always entertaining to see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think of, we, Angelo made the post It's coming from Charlie Brinkley, I think, but the punishment that if, you don't make weight on the untested side in these pro meets that you are ineligible for prize money to help keep things accountable. So people aren't doing these ridiculous weight cuts. Cause you come from the, you come from two hour way. I don't know what you prefer your care there. We are, we are a little natty elitist. We like our two hour weigh-ins and we prefer, I mean, just for the reason that we think that people perform better. We don't like seeing these ridiculous weight cuts and people going five for nine and doing a hundred kilos less than they do in the gym. Well, sh- sure. And I mean, the two hour weigh ends is to what, from what I understand to discourage people from doing that, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't train more than five or six pounds over whenever I was competing in the USAPL IPF, not going to happen. But now like 10, 15 pounds is nothing. Um, so I, I don't know how I feel about that. Like specifically because most of these big money meets are all about the dots anyways. It's all about the coefficient. Mm-hmm. It's not about the weight class you weigh in at. Yeah. So if you weigh in five or six pounds heavier, well, that's just, that's already doing you a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, specifically at the meets where there's a lot of money on the line and it's not really based on weight class specific competition. I don't think that would be great, but on the other hand, at like a USPA nationals or, or, you know, something like that, where there's a lot of people competing in a weight class. Yeah. I think there should be some penalty and they are adding money to the national meets. Um, maybe not much, but still it's, they're trying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I just think I, I would like the deterrent kind of just still there. 
Because it's like, then why have weight classes, you know? Like, if you're going to declare yourself for a weight class, just compete at the weight class, and it has to be... it. Um, there has to be some sort of incentive to be to declare yourself for a weight class, you know? Like, I always find it funny. It's like, they registered at this weight class. I'm like, well, they don't need to make it ever. Because, like, declaring for your weight class is useless if you're just not going to make weight. And I know Hack tried. I'm not saying that he just kind of went in and... Uh, weighed in at, um, I think it was, what, two kilos over? Yeah, something like that. Like 205. Yeah. I'm maybe just three. Saying it would just make people a little bit more aware of themselves. Like, okay, I declared myself for 198, even though, or, uh, or 90 kilos. If I don't make weight, then, you know, there's going to be a punishment there. So maybe you declare yourself for a higher weight class and you, uh, I don't know, you, you just, it just makes you a little bit more aware of the decisions you've made. Like, because, yeah, all these things, because you're right, it's all about dots, and it's all about that stuff, but I think um, I think uh, the, the competition itself will be a little bit better. Yeah, I guess, like I said, I guess I have mixed mixed feelings about that, strictly because we're playing for coefficients here, mm-hmm. and like not weighing in at the weight that you should be weighing in at is already kind of a punishment to some extent, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? People just want to push the envelope, like... And the untied side of things, it's it's like, what can the human body do? Yeah. Period. Well, the human body can lose thirty pounds and simultaneously gain it right back. <laughs> <laughs> so I just see it as a part of the game on this side of things, because that is also a skill, and then also knowing the limit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think there's always going to be some sort of debate when it comes to, that, especially because. Two sides of the sport are so different, right? Like, you have two-hour weigh-ins on the attested side. You have 24-hour weigh-ins on the untested side. You have a different set of equipment. I think there's always going to be a natural argument between the two that's always going to arise. And um, I think I think the people who stay in the USAPL long enough and are lifers are just always going to push that agenda, like, that set of rules on people. And I'm going to continue <laughs> to do it. I will still, to this day, just say you guys should all be under two-hour weigh-ins and you should all use a 20-kilo bar on all of this. Well, I mean, and, and I get the point. Like, it is safer. The two-hour weigh-ins discourages mm-hmm. s- stupid shit from happening. Like, it, it yeah, it, it discourages those 20-pound weight cuts. So, like, people aren't – people are going to be less likely to need to go to the emergency room because they're going too far, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I do I do see at least that aspect of it. Like it is safer. <laughs> well the I I was talking to a lot of people who were working hybrid and they were just like, You um you were uh you were just, it was good to see people who were like healthy and smiling and happy at weigh ins. Like they were joking around, they were joking they were like uh they had smiles on their faces, they weren't as depleted as they were. And that has something to do with, I think, the uh, the massive weight cuts they were taking. Yeah, well, I mean, and Hack obviously wasn't miserable because he didn't cut all the way down. <laughs> um, yeah, I think think that definitely could have played a part of it. You know, maybe everybody at this meet, maybe the people that were at this meet, just kind of had it fine tuned, and they didn't need to make as big of a cut this meat you know i was only 10 pounds over which for me is nothing now i've cut 24 pounds in the past to make it to 165 mm-hmm. yeah which i don't think a lot of people knew this you had the 165 all-time total record at one point correct 
Yeah, yeah. I think that was been the bar in 2019 is whenever I did yeah. that. That really that didn't get it much attention. I know that because I had a lifter who was wanting to do that same exact thing, and you beat him to it. And then Taylor Atwood just made it ridiculous. So, uh, but uh, yeah, you never really got too much attention for that. That kind of went under the radar. But I think fortunately, when anytime you beat a unbreakable John Hack record, um, you get the uh, the recognition you deserve a bit more. <laughs> well that and it was that me was a it was a local meet you know yeah it, there wasn't really any publicity there was no live stream i didn't even honestly i didn't even realize i was at taylor atwood's record i had genuinely had no idea until someone came up and told me on my third attempt deadlift They're like hey put this number on the bar and that'll chip the total and i was like oh yeah what was the what this is always curious. I never really actually come to think of it. I think you might be the first person I have the opportunity to ask this to. What was the most difficult change from being a long time IPF USAPL lifter into going WRPF and USPA? Like what was the most difficult thing for you? If any. Um, if it, or if it was easier making that transition. No, you know, there actually were a couple challenges. Two of them really come to mind. One, the deadlift bar. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, it may increase your top end, but your lower, your low end ends up being a little bit lower too because of the variability. Mm -hmm. At least when you're pulling over 700 pounds, you know, it, it may take your top end from 750 to 800, but your bottom end is still right about that 700 mark. So it just, it increases the like the volatility i guess yeah so it's it's taken me a couple of years to figure that out and then the other thing that was really hard was i'd already established myself in in this community in the usapl ipf i already knew a bunch of people and so going to these meets for the first couple of years like i'm a nobody and i don't know anybody <laughs> so it was just really awkward whereas opposed to going to the usapl ipf meets like everybody and their mother knows exactly who i am and i know who they are mm -hmm. so it just felt more organic so it, it, it it's been a slow transition for me mm -hmm. getting to know people and getting comfortable with people that are three times my size <laughs> <laughs> yeah was I, I well? I mean, and also, the, I think doing the competitions would be a lot different too, because I think there's just a style to the USAPL and that what how they do things as opposed to the untested side, like that. Um, I mean, and you could see it just as a spectator standpoint too. Yeah, just yeah. Lo longer meets. Like, is that something you feel like you had to take time to? I mean, you went from IPF where the meets done in three hours to untested meets, which sometimes is ten hours. Okay, honestly, to an to an extent. That was actually nice because I bombed out of my last equipped worlds in South Africa. And I attribute a lot of that to we started and finished the meet in just under three hours, as you're saying. And this is equipped. Mm -hmm. So, like, doing that raw is one thing, but having to do it in equipment and you've got a flight with eight people in it, uh, no, no. That was, that was awful. And in that moment, I was like, this sucks. This is not fun anymore. <laughs> so, but at the same time, like whenever they do take 10 hours for a meet and I'm trying to, and I'm coaching 
and I'm trying to wrap one of my lifters and I've got the timing down for when I need to start wrapping them because of what I'm used to in the USAPL IPF. And then I'm getting, I get done wrapping my lifter and I look up and they've only moved one person instead of three. So I'm apologizing to my lifter because they're going slow. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You just got to sit in them for two minutes. Like my bad. So uh, for so then I mean guess I guess with your future in the untested side of powerlifting like is the eventual goal to dethrone John Hack or beat him at a competition or is there more records you want to push is it is there something there uh, like that is continuously getting you um, motivated to uh, uh, continue powerlifting? Yeah, there's uh, all the goals I want to accomplish are all within this weight class. Mm-hmm. currently um i want to hit a thousand kilos in reps long term um i want to pull five times body weight which would make me the heaviest person to do that at this point um and i want to total 21 row all right so those are and after that if my body is comfortable being a 198 We'll see what happens, but I've accidentally let myself get up to 200 pounds before and my body did not like it. (laughs) I'd wake up and my arms are numb. I'm snoring. Like it was not, it was not a good time for me. So we'll, we'll see how it happens there. Well, I guess too, based off of what you said, if you tried to force yourself up, you might re, re kind of uh, start that grip issue with the the hands as well, because that's going to thicken you up and it starts to change your leverages of grip. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely something that I don't think the body weight has actually helped me with the deadlift in general. Uh, because I mean, I was pulling 800 in the gym at 165, you know, like pulling 800 isn't really new to me being able to hold on to 800 is, and honestly, my squat hasn't gotten as much out of it as I would have liked. It just all bench. Well, yeah. So let me ask you about your squat during the hybrid. You said you were your squat wasn't going well. What was the issues that you were having? Um, just I've been having some knee pain for the past few months, and it really only starts to hurt when I get like right around the six hundred range. So the most I was able to even squat in training for this meet was six forty, when my best meet squat was six seventy two. Mm-hmm. So I'm like. I'm just praying that I can get at least 300 kilos. I'm like, I will be happy with that. And I won't ask for anything more. (laughs) I actually, I went back and listened to the commentary. Um, It was really funny. It's after my second squat, y'all were saying like, Oh, you know, put on, he's going to put on like 10 or 12 kilos or something like that. And I go up five (laughs) and that was all I had left. (laughs) Yeah. That was an RPE 10. Like if that back spotter exhaled any harder, I was not getting that <laughs> lift. <laughs> yep. So then uh, what meets do you have lined up for yourself? Is it just kind of like coasting until uh showdown or is there some uh, meets that you have planned out for yourself uh, within this year? So as of right now, the next two meets I have planned are the, um, Micah Marino's meet in July in wraps the, 
Oh my, I'm having a brain fart. Like American Pro, I think is what it's called. Yes, it is. <clears throat> or Pro American. And then, I don't know. Now I'm mixed up. Fuck. <laughs> now you got me second. It's, the, it's the American. It's, it's the American. It's the Pro. American Pro. I'm getting now. Yeah, I'm getting the, the, the USAPL elitist is saying Pro American because the Arnold. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Um, which, which we don't know if that's the pro raw or the pro am now. We'll fit, that's a different topic. Fuck yeah, fuck it. We have another podcast <laughs> coming on that shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then the current in December, and I've I've kicked around the idea of doing the showdown, but it'll be like six or seven weeks after um, the American Pro. But it, I'd do it. It would be raw. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm kicking it around. Uh, you know, I used to do four. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really comfortable doing meets really close together. Um, and I stopped doing that for a little while. I think the past two or three years, I only did maybe two meets, but on average, as long as I've been doing this four or five meets a year is nothing. So I'd like to get back to that, be a little bit more active, um, competing and hopefully the turn, hopefully if I do decide to do that, um, having an overload squat, you know, being in wraps in July and then squatting raw will actually give me kind of an advantage because my CNS is primed to squat 800 plus, And then maybe I can get a 700 pound squat raw. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, and I can I typically believe. cruise bench and deadlift all year, like at a, reasonable strength. Well, a deadlift doesn't accumulate any fatigue since it only moves two inches that that's, you can just do that all day, like all day long, just like Angelo. Um, you, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I mean, you, you've pretty much been self-coached your most of your career. I never really seen you with a coach. So it's always just been yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, in the very, very early years, I had somebody coach me through equipment, but even then I still did my own thing. He just helped me learn how to use the equipment itself. And when we say early years, I see 2010 Texas high school powerlifting. You've been doing this since you were 14, back when you totaled 840 in equipment. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, that's uh, 1160 pound increase to your total over the last uh, 12 years. More than doubled my total. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a fun Well, actually, statistic. let's bring, bring it to that because I don't think we've ever had someone on here that we've really talked about Texas high school powerlifting mm-hmm. because oh. that's that's something in it, right? That like I most people, I think at least our podcast listeners know to an extent that that's the largest powerlifting federation in the world. <laughs> like <gasps> Texas high school world? powerlifting is bigger than any other federations. It's bigger than the USAPL. It's bigger than USPA. It's bigger than other, any other IP affiliate. Texas high school powerlifting is... The, the pinnacle of power thing in the sense of membership well and get this thspa is actually only the men it's only the boys side oh that doesn't wow, include okay. the women so there's yeah. a whole another federation thwspa for the women and i assume i bring that up too because you talked about being comfortable with doing meets frequently um texas high school powerlifting you do them every weekend <laughs> uh y- yes and and i have done that i've done three meets in a row um, in the past three meet, yeah, three Saturdays in a row. And I distinctly remember the one and only time I did that because after that third meet, we actually got done really early and it was like five o'clock and I'm like, you know, I'm just, I'm going to go take a nap before I eat dinner. And I don't wake up until like two or three o'clock the next afternoon. 
<laughs> I, I slept for over 20 consecutive hours. <laughs> yeah. And so taking that, like, how did that, I mean, I don't even know what it's like per se. I know it's usually like just gymnasium meats that are pretty basic and it's, it, it's not uniform in the same way that we kind of think of meats, but kind of how did that uh, lend itself to you believe kind of you being where you're at now? Like, I mean, I, I would think to an extent that obviously plays a big role of, of being involved in that at such a young age. Well, sh- sure. I mean, uh, obviously it's, it's where I got started. And like, if you're on any kind of football team in Texas, coaches want you on the powerlifting team too, because in the off season, it's going to keep you strong, right? You know, it's going to keep you from getting fat and lazy. Um, so that was kind of how um, I got into it to an extent that was football was the segue to my powerlifting career. Um, but yeah, the meats, the meats are really bad. Like if I'm being real, the meats are absolutely awful. They're not run well. Nothing's consistent about them. I've been at a meet um, where we didn't finish till like one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. They're slow. You've got people that are a hundred pounds spotting someone squatting 700 pounds. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's really bad. I mean, I can't imagine because I've, I've been in some warm-up rooms with collegiate teams that are non-clubs, meaning they're just kind of individual lifters who never competed, and they're just they're just confused and have no idea what they're doing. And I can't imagine hundreds of high schoolers in a warm-up room trying to figure out how to warm up for their first squat attempts. Uh, yeah, honestly, THSPA does not prepare you very well for um... – for like USAPL and IPF. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was, it was a culture shock whenever I graduated from high school. Like it was totally different. <laughs> <laughs> well, the baptism by fire method has still produced some of the best uh, power lifters in the world. Yeah. Texas is the hub, I guess. So it's like you had to go through that terrible, time and um competing in uh uh, high school to uh get to where you're at now but um yeah like you said steve with a hundred power lift or a hundred high schoolers trying to figure out their squad openers i experienced that daily of high schoolers trying to figure out basically when to show up on class on time and that's also very difficult i can't imagine coaching them through a uh through a powerlifting meet too in texas on top of that which the school that I actually teach at is uh, is part of the Texas High School Powerlifting Association too. So like I didn't, it was it was part like I they so they have a high school powerlifting team. I'm like oh my god, I forgot I was in Texas. I was so used to. But they have no they have no idea they have the American record deadlifter on staff because you keep it secret. Yes, yeah, I like <laughs> I don't. When they say do you powerlift, I'm like yeah, kinda. <laughs> I just kind I I just like bypass the conversation i dabble i, I do that thing where yeah. i lift it overhead yeah oh that's the oh man that's my favorite yeah or oh well, yeah when they were like how much well they always ask like how much you bench i'm like fuck all right no one's gonna ask me how but much at least people know. ask you that i've had people when i tell them my powerlifting coach that they just laugh at me and they're like oh you're serious because <laughs> they see me skinny looking runner guy and they think i'm joking that i'm a a, a powerlifting coach so um you, you guys at least look like you lift you'll take that yeah, I guess I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll get to how much you bench. Question. I'll take that, even though it pains me to say it, and also like no one asked me the good one, the the good one that I do. <laughs> how much you deadlift? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's, oh, there's the good old generic. How much do you lift? Yeah. Oh yeah. What? That's I, what? I hate that. I hate that well, one. Yeah. Well, going back to going back to bench press, I had a question I've been wanting to ask. You recently rebranded to Deadlift Gargantuan. Is that an anime reference? Attack on Titan? No, it's Deadlifting Orangutan. Orangutan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking Gargantuan because it has nothing to do with because uh, it has nothing to do with uh, well, anime though and. No, uh, it actually no, doesn't. Blake is awesome. Darn it. Yeah, Blake I, I don't cool. care if it does or not. I just wanted it to be to make Angelo feel like he even needs to watch anime even more. Yeah. I do actually watch anime. Uh, God damn it, Blake. <laughs> 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 I was going to say, like, no, he has a cool handle because he's a cool guy and he's Blake. And he just ruined it with that. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is the nickname actually started out as kind of an anime reference uh a friend of mine called me the super saiyan orangutan one time and i was like man that is the most unique nickname anybody has ever given me because i'm a ginger i I like that (laughs) and i just kind of modified it (laughs) well speaking of rebranding we talked about this a little bit pre-show you've got some cool stuff going on yeah yeah um I am in the process of fulfilling my life stream. I've always wanted to open a gym. Um, and my wife is a, she's a manual therapist by trade, but she does physical therapy modalities. So she really helps people in our lifting community. And we've combined our two businesses um, and we're opening primal strength, San Antonio. Awesome. Well, that definitely helps that you can kind of go hand in hand with that. That that makes it a lot easier because I mean I'm just gonna throw it out there, and you probably already know this. The fact of the matter is, is powerlifters aren't always the most uh, profitable group of people. Um, powerlifting gyms aren't the most profitable gyms, barring you are able to kind of stack things on top of it. So that obviously works out really well that you're able to kind of combine her manual therapy into that. Well, sure that that's definitely going to and has already helped with our business. Uh, she's very very good at what she does. Um, but if you go to any of the big cities in Texas, there's a powerlifting gym that's like completely outfitted with kilo plates, five or 10, like 10 of them, like five or 10 minutes apart, Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, Houston, like there's tons of them. And here in San Antonio, there's really only two gyms worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. And even then they don't quite hit the mark for what me as an elite level power lifter would be looking for, you know, and it's not like they're bad Texas strength systems and the heavy metal where I, I previously worked. They're great gyms, but it's not great for powerlifting. It's not a great powerlifting gym. So I was trying to solve a problem in the market that is San Antonio. That's flooded with powerlifters. Well, that's a question for you then. I mean, what is what makes your gym great and what you what are you trying to do to differentiate that you really think kind of elevates a powerlifting gym to the next level? Well, one of the first things I did is I'm not going to have any pound plates in the gym. We are exclusively kilo plates. We've got 75, no, 8,600 pounds of kilo plates. Well, you just pretty much cut off all TikTok lifters from coming over and trying to get their clout list at your gym. So I don't know how you're going <laughs> to succeed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to look at them anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's I and that's unique. I mean, I never heard of that. I mean, you I think you've made pretty much every USAPL lifter happy about that rule. Uh or that uh that um that equipment uh that's gonna be staffed at your gym. 
And we do have Analico Bar. Sorry, I couldn't buy more. They're too damn expensive. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm the USAPL lifter who says Alico bars are overrated. I like okay. I mean, there's a lifetime warranty on it. So no. it, it, it. Oh, no, I did not know that. All uh, right, never mind. <laughs> well, speaking yeah. of bars, you bend it, they give you a new one. Nice. All right. Speaking of bars, have you have you used the new Kabuki deadlift bar? I have not. Because I'd be very interested because you talked about the timing. I'd be very interested about that one because we saw John John pulled on it, and I've seen other people pull on it too. It has a lot of whip. It has a lot of whip, and I'm wondering like if that would even benefit some people with how much that's going to start kind of creating uh, issues at the top. You know, I I'd be really honestly at this point, I'd be really impressed if it flexes more than a Texas deadlift bar. I mean, we call it the Texas noodle bar. Mm-hmm. because that's what it does. I can put my foot on it with no weight and it bends in the center. And I'm like, I only weigh a buck 80, buck 90, depending on the day. Like I should not be able to make this bar bend like that. <laughs> uh, it will help me settle a debate that I'm having with a few very good power lifters right now. What's harder to deadlift on a power bar or a deadlift bar? Weight wise, it's harder to pull on a stiff bar like you can't pull quite as much weight but it's so much more consistent and reliable so like your ability to execute on a power bar is going to be better all right every time well i think i might have was won this argument based on that because that was my pretty much my argument like it moves around in your hand and uh take that ashton ruska and uh, Jesus Oliveris, because <laughs> we were having a big debate <laughs> on that one of, um, you know, the deadlift bar and the power bar. I, I just I, I tell people and this debate always happens. Of course, you can handle more tonnage. But the fact that 800 pounds moves in your hand, like it's moving in your hand as you are pulling it because you're trying to control the whip is just more difficult to time. It, it takes a little bit more of a skill set. Um, I. I've, I'm, at, I'm at this point in powerlifting where I'm like, I don't know, like, uh, at a certain point with deadlifts, if 800 pounds will be easier on a deadlift bar as opposed to a stiff bar for me. Like, at least not right away. Yeah. Yeah. It probably, I, it, Angelo, though, you don't do hook grip. So, I, I mean, I'm not saying it would be easy by any means, That's but that point. would be a big differentiator over what we're talking about other people because hook grip's the issue because once once that whips down, it's going to want to pull you right out. That's um, it's going to be a lot easier, harder to hold on to that versus that over-under, which I'd argue, well, does Ashton hook his heaviest weights or does he go over? He hooks. But he, of course he hooks because of uh, of Christian. He, he wouldn't go any other way, right? Well, no, I think he I've does everything. Do he does, yeah, he's a, he's a – Strong. That's why I get confused. I don't know what he's 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 probably gonna over under sumo and heels next meet just for fun. Who knows? I don't know. Honestly, at this point, I don't remember what he does because he switches up so much. (laughs) He did high bar for such a long time. He did low bar currently. He's doing low bar currently. He used to do sumo a little. Jefferson deadlift. Yeah, I might as well. Right. He's he's (laughs) consistently doing close grip bench in competition and winning competitions. Like he does variation lifts on the platform. So I. Well, thinking of Ashton lift, I've always seen him do conventional at meets, but at the Virginia Pro, I believe he did sumo. He goes back and forth, though, because they kind of, we're getting off topic from yeah, talking about Ashton, but he does go back and forth because it kind of translates which one's feeling stronger. I do know that for him. Like, it yeah. goes back and forth, which some lifters are like that. Like, one doesn't really seem to be, like, dominating, and so they just kind of go back to what's feeling feeling good at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we were talking um, in two people in this chat that are that are heavy, heavily sumo deadlifters. 
Well, well here's a question for you, Blake. What can you conventional pull? What can you non-cheater oh. pull? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> do you even want to admit it? Or do you, uh, is this I wasn't this, prepared for this question? Do we do um, we need to redact this from the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um so I have never attempted anything heavier than 606. So the answer is 606 then. You get 236 pounds out of a, a 38 pounds out of a double or sumo something like so. that. Yeah. Well, so, well, that kind of answers the question. And you don't, you don't do much opposite kind of uh, stance training with your in within that. No, no, it, it's it was always really taxing on me growing up, and like I hurt my back several times pulling conventional. I mean, my full, my technique and everything is much better than what it was when I was fifteen. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, mm-hmm. um, but I did repeatedly hurt my back and getting through workouts was really difficult. Um, and when I switched to sumo, I never had any of these problems other than, um, actually when I first switched to sumo, I developed bursitis in my hips, but a lot of that was contributed to, I grew so fast. It's the only time I've ever got stretch marks was because I put a hundred pounds on my sumo deadlift in three months, mm-hmm. switching from conventional to sumo. Well, I think your answer should have just been, it doesn't matter because I benched 500 pounds. <laughs> right? Doesn't Which that, is only 100 pounds less than I conventional. Yeah. Right? Like, that, that cuts, that, I think that cuts through every sumo. T- if you could just be like, well, my bench is good. And then every sumo puller, like, you know, well, me and we have not that good of benches. Like, we like if we have our leverages for a deadlift, like, our bench kind of suffers. And you're like, well, I, I'm awesome at bench and deadlift, so... Well, and it's still it's still funny, and I catch everyone off guard when I tell them I started out as a bencher. Mm-hmm. My de- my deadlift was trash well, when I first started pulling. Well, you you like when I when you came up to the uh, commentating booth, it's like people call you deadlift specialist. You're like, well, I'm a total specialist. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're a powerlifting specialist. You are good at powerlifting. <laughs> you don't break. You don't total two k at one eighty one. Which, by the way, like that is not discussed enough right now because. When Hack did it, people lost their minds. Minds were like, they were melting, like in powerlifting. And you were able to do that. And you're the, um, I believe the second person to do it, correct? Unless, did Jawan yeah. Garrison, I, 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 I'm my, he did not do it. Mm-mm. Okay, so he, all right. So you did it, 181. And it's like this incredible, you, you have to be a good powerlifter for that. You can't deadlift specialist your way into totaling 2k at 181 which people thought was impossible and will never be done again and you go ahead and do it it's like you have to be good at powerlifting. you know and and it's crazy like talking all this out right now i just realized this so the two total records that i now have were both broken at the same meet Mm. the tribute in 2019 cody blazik hit that 2k in wraps and then the very next day john hack did it wrong yeah. <laughs> Fucking John Hack, man. <laughs> so that's what I tell people. I'm like, if you did something good, John Hack probably did it better at some point. But the time is coming yeah. though. I want to I, I can't I can't wait till powerlifting opens up its uh gambling uh sports books, which it will have to be done by us, obviously. Because I am putting money on you. Like that's the thing. I'm putting money on you because your odds would be so good. Like no one wants to put money on hack. No one will put money on hack yeah. going into a meet. It's like you're not going to get anything out of return. If I put it on Blake Lehue, I put you know fucking fat stack on Blake, and then one of these days 
you're just going to do it. Like, John Hack will lose a raw meet. And I think you're – I and, and if I'm being completely honest, I think you would be the top contender for that right now. If I'm looking at raw lifting, I'm – you know, Jamal Browner's up there. Dan Bell, uh, I, I think with raw and dots, he doesn't really get helped out a ton. I can't think of another Chad lifter. Penson would be up there. Chad. Penson for raw? Yeah, Chad. Chad's really – Chad had a pretty got, rough meet at the showdown, just yeah, like I yeah, did. Yeah, that kind of that kind of ruined his momentum in the sense of like the the clout, and we kind of, I don't want to say we forgot about him, but that kind of is, like got him off the map a bit. Wait, but obviously Chad before Penson that, he again? had two. Is Chad Penson had, underrated again? He, I think he actually kind of is. I think he's kind of <laughs> underrated because he obviously had not a great showdown. We've had Hack and Blake and Jamal kind of stealing the show lately, so I think. Chad's kind of taking a back seat, and I would, I would, I fully expect Chad to come back and do something crazy and put himself back on the map. I'm not saying we're underrating him. I'm just saying social media seems to semi have forgotten about Chad Pinson to an extent. The two-time most underrated lifter of the year, which the very nature, <laughs> the the very nature of the saying that is ridiculous. But I mean, I I would kind of agree with you. Like I kind of like because you do see things that are present to you. But yeah, I I would still. I mean, if I'm being honest, I would still say. Uh, Blake, you would you would be my pick for the top contender to beat Hack at a raw meet, and I think that'll be one of the. I mean, if I mean, uh, if you ever look at the live stream comments, like that'll be huge. Like that will that will send the chat into a frenzy. That'll send a lot of fans of powerlifting into a frenzy because it's you know it's it's a it's equivalent to like you know the first time Tyson lost or the. Uh, or I mean I, I can't uh, like when George St Pierre lost in UFC if you guys follow that like that was no one was really expecting it and it it, it can happen it, it can happen one of these days. There's yeah there's just a very limited amount of um, like think there's only a couple things that can happen to make it achievable. Mm-hmm. He has to have a bad day and I have to have one of those eight for nine, nine for nine days, mm-hmm. which I do believe moving it, moving forward, I'm going to be a bit more consistent. One of the things for the past few meets that's been screwing with my mindset is I haven't been able to rely on my deadlift to pull my total together. So I've been trying to push my squat and bench as much as I could and then be like, okay, what what's my total going to be with only my opener deadlift? You know, I might need three tries to get it this time. <laughs> but I don't really have those. I didn't have those thoughts going into this meet. You know, going into this meet, I, I actually made a post about it. I was like, this is the most confident I've ever felt in my deadlifts since I've switched. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think I, I was – it was one of those things I wasn't worried about after you hit your first, you missed your first attempt too. Cause I'm like, he, he, he does this and he can, he's capable of hitting more. Like I've seen it happen before and everyone's has seen it before too. So, um, and it really, it was like, you know, you're eight for nine meat, but that was a nine for nine meat in my eyes. Like you missed an opener and then you went up and hit your next two attempts. Like, and you went up and wait, you didn't retake the opener. You, you went up and wait and actually nailed it. So, um, yeah, I think, I think in my mind, that was a perfect meet and I think momentum is solidly built because of that. Yeah. I'd like to think so too. Uh, you know, something that doing a lot of meets, uh, really close together that used to help me was like build confidence. You know, it, it was normal. It was routine. There was no meet day jitters. I was just comfortable. And like the past few meets that I had done, I wasn't comfortable and it showed on my deadlifts. 
you know, if I can stay calm and be confident whenever I walk out there, I'm not going to have these problems because I know what to do and I know how to execute. And I think I've finally got back into my rhythm. Now, with saying doing more meets, because this is something that I don't see on the untested side very much, and it's much more common on the on the, the tested side. Uh, uh, when you do that, are you going to hold back at some as using that as a practice meet and then unleashing more at others? Because that's something I see within USAPL specifically. Like, I mean, I just had a person, I coached Sean Noriega. He just did a meet and we only took second attempts first, third attempts. We never see that on necessarily on the untested side. It's either people go balls to the wall and go all in or they don't compete at all. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely uh, at least this year. If I do those three meets in the back half of the year, that's definitely something I'll do. Um, because it, in my mind, even sandbagging, I can still hit between twenty fifty and twenty one hundred um, at like this upcoming meet, and I'd like to maybe shoot for something big when there's say more money on the line or it's a, it's a tighter competition and hack is there, or if it's in wraps, Chad Penson, because he's the man to beat in wraps now. So, you know, he, I get 50 kilos out of wraps on my squad. He gets 50 kilos out of wraps on his squad. So I really look forward to battling it out with him in wraps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh yeah, that, that'll be interesting. What's your thoughts on the, the pro series, like the, where you, you, uh, WRPF is going with its pro divisions and its pro series. And I think USPA is going to follow suit. Are you, psyched about it does it not really affect you um what's your opinion on it i i i like i definitely like the idea and and i like what it's doing for the sport um but i think the execution may kind of be off Mm -hmm. Uh, like i i personally didn't like last year how it was best two out of three meets to quote like to 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 win i guess you know, either set a year in advance the competitions that we need to do and make those mandatory, but give everybody time, like time to prep for that, or don't like don't do it haphazardly. I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like the rules were just kind of changed on everything while it was ongoing. You know, because initially they said you needed to do all three of these meets. And then they said, oh, no, it's, it, you only have to do two out of the three. So uh, essentially, it can be really, 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 really good for the sport, but they need to figure out a good way of, of applying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, think, I, I agree with you on that one, but I think it's just the case with doing something new. Like, there, it, it's, and I say this ad nauseum on Two White Lights, and I apologize for everyone who's sick of hearing me say it, but like every professional sports organization start off with like a shitty or version of what you see now. Like they had to fix things because you just learn as you go. Like you, uh, when you start, you're usually not good at something. Whenever we do something for the first time, it's not the finished product. You learn from your mistakes and you uh, develop, uh, you develop from there. And, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've seen that being echoed on the uh, untested side and actually on the tested side too. Cause I think both sides are really experimenting with, this pro series and I see hiccups. Like I see, I foresee hiccups happening and I think, I actually think they will, you know, I think they will both end up fixing it or try hard enough to fix it where it'll be a good product. No, I I definitely do as well because the sport, the sport's booming right now, you know, like it's, it's been growing exponentially for the past few years and 
it, things like this are what's going to keep that that growth going. Mm-hmm. It's always going to. You kind of mentioned something, and I'll. I'm not saying that not knowing if you're alluding to this, but I know other people have. One, it's always going to be harder on the intestine side because for some reason people just don't like to get together and be cordial all the time. There, there tends to be a bit more like uh, we, we see meets happen for three or four years and they go away. But regardless of that, you said a year in advance. The big thing on the intestine side is that there's things that you have to plan for and what supplements you're taking and when you're taking them um, to be able to be healthy versus just being on any time and just thinking you have to spring up and do a meet. So I think it's always going to be harder to put that together. And that's where, like you said, that there's probably even more so than the tested side, there needs to be more advanced planning and knowledge for lifters because they have to do a lot of things to know how to be able to properly cycle throughout the year um, to make sure that they're lining things up and staying healthy and doing it correctly. Yeah. Especially when, when people are putting up a hundred thousand dollars out of their own pocket for these competitions. Like if, if you want the big name lifters to move their schedule around for you you've still got to give them time like they're going to go where the money is but they're not going to break themselves trying to do it most of the time yeah now talking about money and uh we haven't talked about this yet but kind of the reasons why you switched from usapl to usapl and uspa and wrpf are you more motivated by the thought of money versus like inter weight class competition a little bit, you know, uh, more, more so now than maybe what I was when I was 18, 19, you know, I, I am a competitor at heart. I love, I love competing. Um, it, whether I win or not is irrelevant. You know, I just love competing at the highest level that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now that I'm an adult, I've got more bills of starting my own business, bleeding some cash right now. You know, yeah, the, the money is a really big incentive, <laughs> a really big incentive. And it's it's something that makes what most people consider a hobby a little bit more than that for me. You know, I'm not going to go so far as to say like a professional powerlifter, but I am getting paid a little bit as opposed to pay, paying three to five grand to go on an international trip and get a, maybe a gold medal. You know, it's cool. I love that. I, I miss that competing against the best of the best, but, or like within a weight class, but it's nice not having to pay to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice getting paid instead. Yeah. I think that's what power, that's what actually, because people don't like the amount of federations around powerlifting, which I can see the problems with it, but that's actually where the amount of powerlifting federations helps. We're like, you could experience that at IPF Worlds, and you can experience that going one route, and then you can decide to go another route in this sport and actually, you know, make some money on your own or compete for money. And I think that's going to happen within the uh, IPF, USAPL, and the fully tested feds is where people are going to be going IPF Worlds, trying to win a world championship, and that's awesome, doing Powerlifting America, because that's the new one, that's the new uh, American affiliate, and then just going to the USAPL when, you know, it's, they're, they're they're done with it, or they just want to try something else. Like, I think that's actually a good avenue for the sport. Yeah, no, and I I completely agree. And, you know, I've thought about it a couple of times. And, like, despite all the the crap that I I deal with that ultimately led me to leaving the USAPL, had there been these big cash prize meets, like, I'm, like, thinking back, would that have been enough Mm. to keep me there? 
So, so with, here's well, here's a question from two USAPL boys. If you were still here in the USAPL or or tested in general, which w- would you be more interested in the route USAPL is going or sticking the IPF route? Uh, USAPL. I definitely would have stuck around for the cash prizes at that point. Interesting. Because again, you know, going to worlds and all was cool, but man, it got expensive doing it every year. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not going to start a GoFundMe and like, it's hard enough paying, paying the bills day to day and taking care of everything and trying to justify it now that I'm out of college and I have, you know, a regular job, I guess having the money or having the opportunity to win money would have been more appealing to me. Well, speaking of worlds, you also went to some that weren't in like, it's seemingly in the best places. So you might be able to, like you've been in sweet, you were in Sweden and Canada, but you're also in South Africa, Czechoslovakia um, and Poland. I mean, what was there a pretty pronounced difference in some of those world championships of what you were getting in the offering? Um. Yeah, there was definitely uh, a, <laughs> a big difference in all of those competitions. Uh, and I will say Prague or Czech Republic was actually my favorite. Mm. Uh, out of all the meets that I've ever done, that was the, my favorite meet. And I got second. So like that, that just goes to show. I will admit my favorite meet was a meet that I got second place at because it was just one of the best experiences I've ever had. Nice. Um. So I guess, did you have a question there? I kind of rambled. Well, I was kind of going to the fact that, like you said, paying to go to these places. I'm sure some of these were maybe a little bit more worthwhile to pay $3,500 to go to versus some. You didn't go to Belarus, but some you're paying to like risk getting shot. Yes. No. um, (laughs) South Africa was terrible. Uh, I I jokingly say, so I'd, I'd switched bench shirts at that time, like for that meet. And I joking we say that was a $3,000 bench shirt because it cost <laughs> me the competition. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, talking for over an hour, Blake, unless you have anything else to add, Steve, uh, this has been a fantastic interview, man. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I've definitely enjoyed it. Appreciate y'all having me on. Are we still doing lifter ratings? Lifter ratings? Ooh, or, uh, we can. We can end with or that. Have we moved, or have we have moved on from that? I think this we deserves haven't, a lifter rating. We haven't had a whole lot of guests on. We've been in a lot of two white lights, greatest hits. You know, yeah, I think we need a lifter talk. rating. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do a lifter rating. So 1 to 99, if you ever played Madden or anything like that, you give yourself a rating on all three lifts, and we give <laughs> your overall. Um, and yours will actually be pretty interesting. To, to start off on. So, Squat, what would you rate yourself? 1 to 99. Ooh. 70. That's too low. Okay. Uh, no, way higher. <laughs> yes. You're way low. higher than that. Too low. Way higher. <laughs> you could tell when a lifter, lifter <laughs> like, is being humble. That is too low. Yeah. 70? That's 70 like, would be like you're, pre- you're really good at a local meet. <laughs> 70 okay. is like if Sorry. you're playing Madden, it's, yeah. like, uh, it's like Mitch Trubisky. Like that's that's not that's, that's not a great that's not a great uh, a person you want to play with there, but yeah, you're higher than that. All I would right. probably put you like, to give you, to give to give you context. You're comparing yourself to all other 181s on the untested side of everyone. So I mean, if you're like you're in the top 20 of 
30,000 lifters, obviously that puts you in already in the 90th percentile, let alone. So you're, you're comparing yourself to every lifter ever in your weight class. Okay. 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 And we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this raw since you just competed raw and that's what we're really talking about. Okay. Well, I guess, I guess for squat, maybe 90, maybe top 10%. I was going to say that. Yeah. That was my number going into 89 or 90. Okay. I think that's fair. Your 13th, your 13th best squat ever at 181. So that, I think that's decently fair there. Perfect. Okay. Bench. Bench. 98. I was I was gonna say that too. <laughs> so here's the interesting thing here. You are ranked twenty first, but you're ranked fourth of people who have done a full meet. So I agree. Yeah. Because there's only three people who have ever benched more than you in a full powerlifting meet. Everyone else that's above you um is is bench only. And that was Jawan, Malik, and Hack. Uh, Malik Dernstein. Uh Hack and Jawan. Yeah. I, so, yep. I, and I do recall on two, I lights when I posted that quote graphic of you, um, somebody commented <clears> like he, like something about your bench and of it, like not being good real, like in the, in the realm of other one eighty ones, And I usually don't comment things on two white lights. And I think me and Garrett both commented like, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know what i think i actually saw that yeah thread. we were just like you're like that was like i'm like you're an idiot like we're not we're, we didn't get we didn't even try to debate we're like you're dumb and never comment on things again <laughs> like a 500 pound bench at 181 is and especially when you do consider full power too so yeah um well i feel like a 500 pound bench is respectable no matter what weight yeah, you're in. like even if you're a super you bench 500 like that's respectable. you can get a middle-aged guy like going crazy if you just say you bench 315 at any weight class that's right true. like at, at any like if you're in a commercial <laughs> gym you bench 315 it's like oh that guy's awesome um it's like three five, plates yeah 500 pounds like ungodly like it's not on this earth they will not believe you like certain guys at commercial games will not believe that you can bench 500 pounds like it is just not heard of and like you're able to do it so yeah it's yeah it goes really across every uh weight class 500 pounds doesn't matter what you're doing (laughs) it's incredible and also we got the easiest one right deadlift 99 i mean highest deadlift of all time destroying the old world record oh that doesn't count i'm sorry it doesn't no. count to me. It doesn't count to me. <laughs> that, you know what? So crazy. So we have to, it has to be retired. That's like a hundred. <laughs> what? Uh, Nasanov's? Yeah, that's like yes. no, that's a hundred. That doesn't count. Seven Hester. That doesn't. <laughs> you can't register it. So I was actually looking at 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 uh, open powerlifting, and I realized why some people were saying that like I had the meet like the all time world record deadlift, and it's because Nasanov did it wrapped. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But if you go look at that meet, I would like to point out the man squatted like 496 in wraps and benched 300 and then pulled the 892. I didn't know that. Okay. That is is a very, very, very valid thing. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, I was always looking at that because I saw the deadlift record was 800. I'd be like, man, it'll be cool one day to do something better than hack and then you fuck that up for me so, <laughs> so yeah, yeah apparently there's a few people that are upset with me yeah about that joffy called me out on it yeah too. 841 <laughs> is like we're not hitting it so cool one yeah uh we're like we're not gonna pull that on any day really so 
Maybe Jaffe. I actually think Jaffe could possibly do it. I know if I try and squat and bench in the same day, 841 is not a thing. This isn't. Like I said, man, on a deadlift bar, you never know. Sure. I'll keep that. I'll keep that. You know, I'm just never, I'm, I'm actually going to inadvertently never do like an untested meet just so I can say I maybe could break the deadlift record. I just never, I'm going to, you know, I never could do it because I'm always competing in the USAPL and all the other tested feds that don't allow it. So just one of those things where I could just lie to people, just be super dishonest about it. And before the USAPL starts adding specialty bars, like squat and deadlift. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> God, that would that would be that would be that would be a I think another revolution in there an American revolution if they start doing that we got we got we got to remain unique we already we already adopted the weight classes right we got <laughs> yeah it's true that's true all right what's what's which is funny because that's how it was yeah that we they had just a, changed back we had a really funny conversation about that on two white lights when they changed the weight classes because it was like the new usapl weight class like well it's not new and then people are like oh my god how many weight classes are they adding in i'm like guys this is not new stuff this is actually currently in powerlifting what federations do <laughs> that's not <laughs> ipf it's it's actually funny that there's people in the sport that's like they only know IPF rules. Like the other things like weight classes kind of confuse them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've joking. We've joked about that um, over here. And we've said that like, basically if you're in the IPF, the USAPL, you know, a lot of the things about like, um, like the untested side, but the opposite is not true. Like on the untested side, you don't really know any uh, USAPL IPF lifters. You don't really know how it works. And people don't even know that they do two-hour weigh-ins because 24 is just the norm. Mm -hmm. But being on the USAPL and IPF, you tend to know a lot of the untested lifters. You know what the differences are. Yeah. Technically, they were there first, right? I mean, I don't know the deep, deep into the history, but like when powerlifting really – like I got on ESPN and multiply lifting, that's what we saw. Or that's what people really got. Like when I was in high school, um, that was what my friends showed me was multiply powerlifting, and that was like, oh they're, yeah, they're on steroids and they wear suits. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do that, and I avoided powerlifting because of it, which is very funny. <laughs> I was like, the way that's the end goal in powerlifting, like that's never happening. Well, to be in equipment as well, you kind of have to be masochistic to an extent. Yeah. I mean, if I was in Texas, it might have been that we're just, we had no idea. Like, Illinois power, like, I was, I grew up in Illinois. It's like, we, no powerlifting, high, or no high school had a powerlifting team. Like, no one was getting into gear. No one was doing any of that shit. We assumed that powerlifting was multiply only, and you had to, it's it, actually for me, it was strongman. Like, you had to be 300 pounds. You had to be massive. You had to be one of those guys. Is that why? We- is that why you wore squat shoes to deadlift? Because yes. you thought you had to? Yeah. Because of Illinois standards? Uh, no, because the squat shoes had power lift on them. And, uh, <laughs> 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 Wait, hold on. <laughs> like, would it not be confusing for a person just putting on squat shoes for the first time and never seeing a powerlifting competition? They say no, powerlift. I thought... 
you I've, do I've never heard that reasoning, but I can understand it. But at the same time, there's so many things I'm thinking of that I want to just write the word power lift on and then send to you and see if you incorporate it. <laughs> I wear, yeah, I would wear, what, I would how, wear a Velcro bra. What will Angela believe is powerlifting equipment if you write power lift on it? <laughs> that, that's the new game. One of those, one of those Velcro, Velcro belts. That's as they say power lift oh. on it. I'll just throw that on. That was. I'm gonna buy you a. I'm gonna buy you a breath belt and write power lift on it. Boom. So that you have to wear one. Boom. Done. <laughs> yeah. See. See. Yeah. I. I. It was very fun. It didn't. Yeah. It. T- it took a while for. I don't know. It took a while for me to know that that wasn't the norm. But uh, yeah, that was. Uh, people say. I'm, you probably I'm, had that to thank for some of your clout, though. I mean, that oh, yeah. kind of, that that helped to uh, create the persona that is Angelo Fortino. Yeah, Johnny Candido commented i remember is like he's deadlifting in squat shoes that's weird i'm like what the fuck i don't know i thought i called them powerlifting shoes ashton's trying to copy you yeah like what the crap ash everyone thinks ashton's original he's just doing what you did like three or four years ago yep he can never well you know something i've noticed uh, if you go back there are actually videos of ed Cohn doing his pseudo sumo stance and i believe he's got a heel on it hmm Okay. So maybe you didn't realize it is a Chicago, Illinois thing. Then. Yeah. Uh, well, it actually pains me sometimes <laughs> when people see my close stance sumo and they're like, that's like, that's like the Angelo stance. I'm like, Ooh, like, uh, Ed Cohen. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm happy that people associated with me and, uh, Bob Matthews. I'm, I'm very flattered, but I'm like, Guys, it's uh out of respect here. Let's call it the Ed Cohen stance because he was doing it well before me and doing it much better too. So, I, I mean, there's such a a f- small percentage of people that can actually do it well, though. Yeah, you gotta have the you, you know you do have to have the proportion leverage for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I've used you as an example for one of my younger clients because he's he's shaped a lot like you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, maybe you need to do the pseudo. And sure enough, that's what he was missing on his deadlift. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it is an interesting thing. And uh, I, but well, again, I would like to coin just. I would like to coin this at the Ed Cohen deadlift. <laughs> Well, oh yeah, I remember we were talking yeah. about the powerlifting logo, and everyone's like, "It should be Ed Cohen." I'm like, "That's perfect," because maybe people think it was me. If like they put Ed, like the logo of powerlifting and it was a pseudo stance deadlift and a close stance deadlift, I'm like, "Perfect." They might think it was me, and I could just lie. I'm like, yeah, that's my deadlift. If you look at the side by side, that's that's mine. Yeah, it's your 900 pound deadlift that is on the logo right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Steve. What was his overall? So we had 90, 98, 99. 90, 95. 95. That is uh, yep. That is one of our higher ones on the lifter ratings. Which, people will be happy to see those back. We Yeah, we have not done those in a while. <clears throat> well, being well-rounded is something I've always prided myself on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one thing I, th- I do think that people don't realize. Like, you are a well-rounded lifter. I've had conversations like, well, he's a deadlift specialist. I'm like, he has a... F- even when you didn't have a 500-pound bench, it was it was well over the fours, like in, in, in 75 kilos. Like, you were – that's – again, that's one of those numbers that's respected from the weight classes from 74 to about 90 is a 400-pound bench. Yeah. So you're surpassing that, and 74 is benching 400 is not – a or 75 benching 400 is not really a thing. 
people don't do that. And, you know, you were one of those guys that did so. Uh, like, the whole thing was just, uh, it, it was, it, it was, uh, it was, I think people, whenever they see, like, a wide stand sumo, they're like, oh, deadlift specialist. Like, that's, yeah, that's what, that's what the person is because it's wide and they have to rely on technique and leverages when, no, you were, you were never that. Like, you were never a deadlift. I wouldn't qualify you as a, a deadlift specialist at any point. Especially not in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> all right man well it was fantastic having you on i cannot wait uh to see you again compete it's gonna be very very exciting and also good luck with your gym i once it opens i'll be there i'm only three hours away down in houston so well you gotta come down for the grand opening then oh for sure when, when is it actually march 13th it's a sunday oh is it this is it this year, or is it coming up? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Huh. March thirteenth. I might have just. It better. It better be if he's if he's moving all those stall mats yeah, already. Good point. <laughs> yeah. March thirteenth. Okay. Let's see. Mart Arnold. All right. I actually might. I might be able to swing this. Yeah. Because the Arnold is uh, the first week of March, and then the second week of March, um, I'll be free and actually not like killing myself on a prep so right away. So I'll cool. actually be able to nice. take a three hour car ride and not be worried about. But, trying to squat like over 600 pounds. So that's good. <laughs> well, maybe I'll have you jump in on the conventional deadlift challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My coach will <laughs> love that right after competitions. Like, and I max out on deadlifts or a conventional deadlift. So have fun, have fun, have fun programming from there, Joe. <laughs> yeah. But, um, good luck with everything. Thank you for coming on two white lights. And again, hope to have you on soon. Um, and actually, because you know you're in San Antonio, uh, an in-person interview would be fantastic. Yeah, for sure, man. Just let me know. I appreciate you having me on. All right, brother. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. All right. So before the interview with Blake, we got to open this package from Massonomics. Now I was instructed I can't open it until we're recording a podcast. And do you want to guess perhaps what it is before I open this? I already took my guess. It's an NFT of lift shorts superimposed on your 350 kilo deadlifts. Okay. Um, it's a screenshot of it because it's an NFT and you can just screenshot and then do whatever you want with it. Even if, but the original I, mass anomalous is keeping, cause I'm sure it's worth at least 30 or 40 grand, AKA like what, like five F. Yeah. Uh, you we, can, we, we need, we, we used to translate yeah, that. Yeah. We need, we need someone here to just explain NFTs to me because I, any joke made about NFTs is going to go right over my fucking head. I know I get the joke, but I don't quite, like, get the nuances of it. So whenever someone brings up NFTs, I'm like, I don't know if that was supposed to be funny or not. But, yeah. We can make that a segment on Two White Lights. Explain NFTs to Angelo. And okay. people, people would just not listen to two white lights. Well, we'll have Sean Mills and Steve Singleton come on and explain everything to us. That would be a great podcast guys. All right. So that might be a pot. <laughs> just a two white lights <laughs> extra episode. Just in the middle of the week. Weeze and Steven coming on the show and explaining NFTs to me. That somehow could be our most listened to podcast because every single team is going to jump in trying to learn how to buy NFTs and be like them. All right. Um, uh, we got a guess uh, okay. from other lifters of uh, another white light, a third white light. 
a, a drink spotter? Do we got a drink spotter? Yes, that was the most common one. I'm actually, because it's Massonomics, and even though we're friendly with Massonomics, potentially this is a start of a war, and they're sending me like a body part of one of our unofficial co-hosts. Well, I'm glad you're opening it. Yeah, because like they sent this to me like this is this is war. Like it's <clears throat> Kyle Miller's finger or hand in here because it is yeah. relatively heavy. And if Kyle's it's something good and they only sent you one, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, that's, what, that's also that I was happy too because they sent me it. And I'm like, oh, sweet. So if it's if it's something cool, they don't they don't follow me. So Massonomics, shout out. You wanted Candido forever. Now my new thing is at Massonomics needs to follow me on Instagram. Uh huh. And also, this is kind of bad radio because we can't show you what we're getting. So we're just describing the thing to you. So well, do we want to screen record this so we can post it on Instagram or something? Yeah. Oh yeah. We should, fuck. We should have done Here. that from the let, start. Let me let me screen record it right now. Okay. Well, I'll take my time with this. Tell me when you're screen recording because I could still get uh, maybe some some guesses in here. But yeah, hey, I screen was, recording. Screen recording. Now we're going. Okay, so really, I thought maybe because we are podcasts, we're fighting for ratings, that it would be like a mafia thing, like Joe Stanek's hand, and the message is Joe Stanek sleeps with the fishes, and then we're just in a war with massonomics. Um, if it's a severed head, I'm going to be very upset. You guys that would be very Italian of them. Yeah. That would, that would be very Scarface. Well, I guess Scarface isn't Italian, but whatever. Mafia. Ooh. Well, we got a sh- I got I well, let me, I'm going to say we. I got a shirt. Me. Angelo. Where's mine? Angelo Bortino got a natural for life shirt. I think that is about the best thing you can give the Natty Podcast, Two White Lights. And we just <laughs> recapped Hybrid and Blakely you want. So there's yeah, that. all right, all right. I'm gonna show that. But we, we recapped hybrid with a tested lifters go untested, and then I'm pretty sure we asked Blake a bunch about USAPL stuff. So we we, we stuck our natty stuff in, but yeah, our natural Angelo's natural life shirt. I'm 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 at war with Massonomics. If they don't want to be at war with us, I'm gonna I'm at war with them. Yep. And also the guess was right. The drink spotter. Drink spotter. There we go. And Massonomics, I applaud you because this is the greatest marketing of all time. You are the gold standard of marketing. You just made us do an ad read for you on Two White Lights. The levels of this is incredible. The the marketing strategy of this is unbelievable, and I should expect nothing less for so, the people who have a billboard. And up now on. we've got to send them something then to open live on air. Yeah, we don't. Make that that cool, only seems right. Yeah, we don't make cool. As shit things. I can only send them like a t-shirt. I can. I'll, cut off. I'll send them beer. I brew beer. I brew beer. I'll send them a couple, a six pack of beer. I'll cut off a piece of my hair. <laughs> just a lock. Perfect. Of, just a lock of my hair. Just a nice little sexy lock. Best, best hair in the USAPL. Yes. Uh, and of course we got some stickers here too. Should I read this, the, the card or would that be like embarrassing to read? Mainly cause I can't read very well. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, read it then. Okay, so it's definitely not a de- declaration of war like I was potentially. So it's not like Sean, uh, Garrett Fears' foot in here. Uh, it states, Big Angelo, from one podcast to another, keep up the great work. Two White Lights is killing it. I know you're a combo rat guy, but hopefully you could find a home for the drink spotter. And the shirt had your name all over it. And that is from Massonomics. Thank you, boys. 
we love you for this. I love you especially because it's my shirt and my drink spotter. So have have fun with uh, well, appreciate the, it. Have fun with the memory of this, Steve, of me opening gifts in front of you. I'm I'm watching. <laughs> I'm just gonna turn my screen over to my PS5 and I'm gonna go play that later. I'll, I'll flex s- with that. I'll send you some of these. Uh, Alrighty. I we I mean also they always well, they always send like this like this motivation. Well, to I'll me. see you in a month. I'll see you in a month anyways. Just bring them with if you want to yeah. bring a couple with. Yeah, I, I, they are always motivation for me because they do cool shit like this, and we're like not even fucking close to doing cool things like this. Like I don't like this is awesome. It's just a, it's a calendar. It's a small calendar of mess. Like that's fucking cool. We gotta start doing this man well we gotta start selling more apparel to make money versus losing money we're, yeah. we're constantly in the negatives all we do is spend money on trying to uh run a podcast yeah we're uh i thought you were the business guy but i ever since you came on the show we just lost money <laughs> <laughs> and we've almost gotten canceled like and you know uh, like it's we, we we i give you a lot of credit but at the same time you know it's this is this is Facebook before they allowed advertising. We're, we're building up that we're building up the the momentum to where we'll eventually be uh, cash flow positive. But for now, we're just leak we're just leaking yeah. money. I mean, we're we're just mm-hmm. definitely in the reds. Yeah. Well, thank you, Massonomics. Of course, we love you. Check out their podcast. They always. I mean, Massonomics was uh, definitely one of the uh, the their page is a big motivation for two white lights. I think people could kind of see that in my interview with them. I made sure to tell them that, like, I think they do the strength world a service and uh, also very appreciative of the gifts. And we got it now. And also they put us in an awkward position to try to figure out what gift to get them. So that's, that's always fun. Who, who, how can you give gifts to people who already have a billboard of them? Nothing compares. You're sponsored by Barilla. Just, I mean, everyone oh, yeah. loves pasta. Yeah. Okay. I'll send them pasta. That's a definite send them pasta. That's definitely an equivalent gift. Is a uh, it of, is thing of. Uh, I in, think, I think in Barilla, Italy, that's considered the greatest gift. I think Barilla is marketed a dollar for two pounds. So that's good. That's actually <laughs> that's a pretty. That's a pretty solid gift return. But uh, yeah, again, thank you, Massonomics.